And what would you say the relationship is between ideology and music, or I guess we're talking about ideology and sentiment. So how, how did how did that actually work in historical practice? Were the Union songs about you know freeing slaves? Were they about keeping the Union together? What you know when you're talking about slaves, is it in a minor key? Is it in a major key in different ways? Like how did that work? Yeah, so they are a lot of them are about defending the Union and, and, and making sure the United States stays together. Uh, and defeating the Confederacy and returning the United States to its full glory. Slavery is an interesting one, because certainly in the Civil War, in the big, big songs, for a large part of the war, that it's missing, or it's very, very subtly alluded to. It's not the main thing. It's very much following the line that the war is about the Union, rather than it's the actual cause of, of emancipation and slavery. And occasionally, and certainly in some of the Irish examples that I look at, they they're rather they were quite clear that they'd rather focus on the union and fighting the confederacy than they would be on on ending slavery in saying that things like battle cry of freedom and then extra verses that are added to other songs that has kind of began in 1861 but get new versions in 1863 1864 add in verses relating to slavery and emancipation after emancipation and there are ballad lyrics and kind of poem ballads that circulate newspapers that start to kind of share these sentiments too. But that goes, taps into the kind of how are contemporary Americans in the 1860s actually discussing the war and its causes and its aims. Um, it, it goes into that much, a much wider thing. You don't really see many uh, Confederate songs, certainly not that get published and shared quite widely, being like, we're fighting to defend slavery. Um, it's much more about we're fighting kind of the state's rights, which we, we know is about slavery, but it's more about kind of the home and the Southern and sentimentality uh, and that attitude. In terms of, of ideology and sentiment, I mean, that's, there is a shift, certainly, like there is with First World War poems in the middle point of the war where sentimental songs become much more common on both sides. And in fact, sometimes you get the same songs literally being shared on both sides that are about mourning the loss. Um, one of the most common ones that's shared by both Union Confederacy is a song called The Vacant Chair, which is kind of about mourning the fact that, you know, we are losing our sons, our, our brothers, our fathers, and so on and so forth. But you don't see in the Civil War very strong anti-war rhetoric and ideology it still remains you know this is a noble cause to be fighting for a greater purpose um the the era of protest and anti-war and kind of a questioning that kicks in much more into the 20th century so just to build on that and i'm not sure the proper way to ask this question but there's of course a long tradition of slave songs and obviously that's an, an episode on its own but it is could you maybe talk about how uh, songs written and sung and, and uh, interpreted by slaves did that uh, affect any soldier songs was there any sort of transmigration across those boundaries whether we're talking about the union and freedmen coming up to the north and maybe singing songs in various regiments or even i'd be curious about the confederate the confederacy and and things like that as well yeah so there are um there's a there's a civil uh, song called we're coming father abraham um which uh has its roots and is very much co-opted by 
um, United States colored troops and kind of particularly from from their point of service onwards from 1863. And it, it the certainly more religiosity of some Civil War songs certainly has a, a connection to spiritual songs that are coming um, from plantations and circulating. The the slightly more problematic area is the fact that a lot of it is sometimes cultural appropriation from from white lyricists who are actually taking songs that they have already put on stage through the 1840s and 1850s. So, you know, the Civil War comes right in the middle of an era when the music hall, this is pre-Vaudeville, but it, it's the same sort of a concept. So the music hall is the place where a public is certainly hearing lots of versions of slave songs and slave music and traditions and instruments that are coming from much, much older connect, uh, traditions, but have been packaged up by white lyricists, white playwrights with blackface. And so Dixie is a classic example of that. Daniel Decatur Emmett says there are stories that he says that he invented the tune of